Come on in, guys. All right, welcome back to Talking Llama. After a week off, we are back and ready to go. Jared, I don't know how you felt, but uh, didn't feel right not doing this last week, so I'm ready to dive back in. You know, it did feel like there was a significant void in my life, <laughs> and now I know what it is. You can always, always feel that with Survivor. Yep. Well, before we start, I got one little surprise nugget for you that it, I, didn't, oh. I intentionally didn't mention this beforehand because I want to get your authentic Sly reaction. Okay. I'm over. I'm overhyping it. I'm just gonna say that, but I just want your unfiltered reaction to it. So there, there are rumors again from Martin Holmes at Inside Survivor that season 41 and likely beyond will be dropping the, the themed titles from the seasons. So it'll just be Survivor 41, Survivor 42, and so on. Hmm. What, do you, what do you think about that? I'm in. I think you agree with me. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can't do the, obviously, the location titles anymore because they're just in Fiji the whole time. Yeah. And the themes have varying success rates. I mean, David versus Goliath, Goliath worked out. You know, we've talked about Worlds Apart a couple times, how it just makes no sense. But yeah, I feel I like this... they'll miss, I'll miss it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean that they're not going to be trying new stuff either. It's right. just uh I guess less gimmicky sounding, so that's good. But yeah, there's plenty they can do without forcing a theme onto the season. Okay. Okay. That's a good welcome back. I hadn't yeah. heard that yet. Yeah. And I, I'm sure if they if they do another all returning season, they can find a theme for that. You know, Survivor Legends or whatever it might be. Don't even and get then, me thinking about it. <laughs> and then for the any any newbie season, they can just do it by by the numbers. But just one little um, rumor potentially um, to to keep in mind there. You know, we're, we're hungry for anything anything new when it comes to Survivor these days. You know, if you uh, you're talking about a Survivor Legend season, I have a feeling a couple of the people we're talking about tonight might be on that. Several, depending on how many seasons we we make it mm-hmm. through. Because we are we are cracking the top fifteen tonight, one way or another. Because we're starting at number fifteen, Token Sheens, season eighteen from two thousand nine, one of course by the one and only JT Thomas. My sixteenth ranked season, Jared's fifteenth. So this is we're you know we're right there with our own rankings and where it ends up in the average, um, little above middle of the road, um, and then into the top half. But I think they're. There's one word I think that we can use. There's a lot of good about the season, but there's one word that really elevates it. And that word I'm sure, you know, is coach. I it's an understatement, but it's perfect at the same time. Coach 1.0. Oh yeah. I'll, I'm just going to say it right now before we even get into this, but coach is just my all time favorite. There's there's no way around it. I love Coach. Um, every time I watch this season, I love Coach more. So I'm very happy to be talking about it right now. 
I know a lot of people are less of a fan of original coach. You know, he's, he doesn't have any of the refined edges, you know, that he does in his second or third, third outing there. Um, but he is coach at his most coachiest unfiltered. I mean, what a find he was <laughs> from a captain standpoint. I mean, yep. it's it's simply incredible that a that a person like this exists, and we are all better for it. Yeah, I was I had that exact same thought because I was just rewatching this a couple months ago, and I was thinking to myself, did they know what they had five seconds into this guy's audition tape? And I'm guessing yes. If not the audition tape, as soon as they met him in person. True. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. like, I don't know what his what his tape was. Um, they don't release everything, but you see some players make it to YouTube or they'll post it or whatever. I haven't seen his. I don't know what's out there, but it is. I bet I you, if you it. sent him a personal request asking him to remake his audition tape, he would he would prioritize <laughs> it and have it done within like two hours. I was taking a drink of water, and that was <laughs> the worst possible time for you to say that because that's that's amazing. That's hysterical. <laughs> Man, yeah, he's uh, okay. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you direct the conversation because I'm just gonna get on a, a coach rant. But uh, All right, there'll be yeah, there'll yeah. be plenty of time for that. But we'll get into the season as a whole. A lot, a lot of good big characters here. I mean, yeah. Introdu- introduction of JT, of course, like you mentioned, he's the winner. Um, kind of flames out his his next next appearances, but just dominates this game. Uh, Stephen Fishback, you know, fan favorite there. His his first his first start. Tyson. Tyson 1.0 as well, the snarkiest, meanest player mm-hmm. ever, and it, it's incredible. I could see how his attitude or personality would turn some people off, you know, fans and players alike, but Tyson 1.0 here in Token Sheens might be the single funniest character of, of any season, just consistently. I don't know if he has maybe like this, the funniest moment, but just as a whole, from first episode to when he voted out, just incredible. I love seeing people cry. I love, I love watching people have their dreams crushed. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's indescribable how, how much joy you get watching that guy on TV. Yep. I, I remember, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of when describing his relationship with another contestant, like we've kissed each other softly on the neck or something like that. <laughs> it's like where does he come up with this he's i mean he's still got it because he obviously comes back three more times and like coach is your favorite tyson i think is my favorite player um aside from just being hysterical and i think i mentioned this before he has like a true character arc that not many people on survivor get you know, if you're only on one time, you get that one season, even two times, maybe you don't get everything. But someone like a Boston Rob or Ozzy been on a lot. They basically are the same person and the same player for the most part from season yeah. to season. But Tyson, you know, his personality changes, his gameplay changes, and it, it's definitely affected by getting married, having, having a couple of kids and just growing up. But just to see it play out like you can't really with really any other player. Um, it's, it's really, really fun to see. And then he does a podcast now with Rob Sester, you know, another friend of theirs news AF. They just talk about a bunch of like 
out there, funny news stories. And he's still as witty as ever. He's not as snarky as he was here in token sheens, but he's as witty and funny as ever. And the, I mean, that part of it hasn't changed. And he, he's just, he's just incredible. I, I can't get off of Tyson. Yeah. Coincidentally, I think one of the only other people who's had that kind of character arc is coach. So I was thinking about that. I don't, yeah. at least, at least in my opinion, I don't know if it's as, I don't know if extreme is the right word. That's yeah, it's definitely it, not. It was over not, a shorter period of time too. Yeah. And, and he, I don't think coach changes as much. Not that it's a bad thing. I don't think he necessarily needed to um, kind of where Tyson maybe had to, to be a well-liked functioning adult as much as we enjoyed, <laughs> yeah. enjoyed his comments. But yeah, coach also had, had a really good, good arc, but he also started so much more on the absurd side of the spectrum that, yeah that yeah. even like an incremental improvement would would seem like monumental from season to season yep oh man he's uh i, I can't wait i can't wait to talk let's let's i gotta start okay <sighs> go for it my man i'm so uh, we could just do an episode on coach um <laughs> i don't doubt that but uh just like right from the beginning, I, I will say in terms of character arc, he starts off as like a huge jerk on this season. And it, it definitely comes across that way. Um, he's condescending. He's like a know-it-all. And uh, it's so much funnier watching it the second time through because like, you know that there's still like an actual person like with a heart in there and you know, he's, he's human. And I think that's what made it so much better for me the second time through and really made me appreciate him uh, in version 1.0. But uh, there's so many moments. I think we'll, we'll probably get to them um, as we go through the full season, but yeah, just the, from, from the Amazon story, to <laughs> his trip to exile island and just like trying to make himself as miserable as possible and a martyr and comes limping back with the massive walking stick he of course he's able to find yep yep and in mean, the... what an image that is specifically <laughs> they just show him walking back just hobbling back to the challenge i mean what could have been going through the other players minds when they witnessed that oh you, you it's you can't script that it's 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 too good. Yeah. Well, they were probably thinking, well, we're going to beat this guy for sure now. And then he just grinds and then just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't doubt that he was in pain, but you can't help but laugh. Yeah. It's like collapses and then just screams. Yeah. It curls up into the fetal position. Oh, it, yeah. Mean, coach so, is coach. Can't, can't ever argue that part. No, so much more like it, but uh, we will get to it in good time. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get to coach. We'll probably come back intermittently to coach as we yeah. go throughout our, our other notes here. So this season uh, starts kind of auspiciously. They they pick out or they vote who they perceive to be the, the weakest on their tribe. Um, and unlike in... I'm blanking on, blanking on... Is it Palau? Where they send him home right away? I think it is, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um they are not voted out of the game 
They just get to go to try, go to their camp ahead of everyone else. They get a helicopter ride. But they think they're voted out of the game. Initially. Yep. Yeah. Right when it happens, they do they do think they're voted out of the game, which as as I mentioned in the Palau, hate that. Hate that so much. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so then they, they go ahead, they go ahead of the tribe, they get to camp early, and you know, kind of a double-edged sword. They don't have to make the the terrible seemingly trek um, with all the supplies and everything to their camp, but they're away from their tribe, especially early on. You never want to be away from your tribe. And then they each get the, get a chance to either get a clue to a hidden immunity idol or um, they get to work on the camp ahead of time, you know, try to get a head start there, kind of getting good with the tribe. Sandy looks for the idol. Sierra decides to work on the camp. And again, I've, as I've said a handful of times, I'm sure I'll say it again. I love when players are given choices. Make them do A or B because everything has its consequences. And I love that they had one of each. So you get to kind of get to kind of see how each plays out. Now, in a vacuum, obviously it's it's a little easier to say, but what do you think you would do in that situation? I have thought about this a lot, actually. Uh, I would definitely look for the idol. Um, it's, it's one of the only opportunities you're going to get to do it while no one is there with you. Um, and then on top of that, like if people know you had the opportunity, they're just going to think you did it anyway. So, I mean, why you're just putting yourself in a worse spot by being suspicious, but not actually doing it. What I like about this is that we can kind of look at it through the lens of 25 extra seasons of strategy and gameplay, this was only four seasons into the, or five into the hidden immunity idol, even being a thing that existed. So I don't know how much it was on everyone's mind. Whereas if this happens in season 41, this fall, every you're right. Everyone's going to assume, Oh, no matter what they tell us, they probably had a clue or even didn't have a clue, they probably spent time looking for the idol because they were alone. So you might as well do it. But this early in the run, not just of the show, but of the of the idol even being in the game, I don't know how much that would automatically be on everyone's mind that they're just going to assume that they had a clue or an or something pointing them to the idol. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I just it's hard for me to even think, you know, if this opportunity was presented to me and I had never seen anything like it before, um, I'm sure I would run through the list of scenarios in my head. Like, well, okay. What are the, what are the pros and cons? If I opt to look for it, what are the pros and cons if I don't opt to look for it? And I can't imagine a decision where there would be, less pros than cons to go look for it no that's a good point and and yeah i mean most people are not necessarily most but some people will will probably assume and that's that's really all you need you just need one or two people to put that idea out there and then you're then you're toast um because then the and the other thing you know especially like for sandy or anyone who chooses to look for the look for the idol is I, I always like thinking about how I would kind of talk my way out of that because they made it seem like they had several hours between them getting there and the rest of the tribe 
arriving at their at their camp. And if I trek through the jungle or the desert, wherever you might be in that season, and I knew this person had two to three hours ahead of us, and there was literally nothing done at camp, one, I'd be pissed <laughs> off. Yeah. Two, then then your point becomes a little more strong, a little stronger that, okay, well, if they weren't working, what could they have been doing? You know, even, even gathering firewood or gathering bamboo, not that you have to have the full shelter built or even like a base or anything, but if you're gathering supplies, at least, then if none of that is done, that's okay. Clearly something else was, was happening. Yeah. I, I feel like there's still a lot of ways to justify it though. I mm-hmm. mean, you could just go with the F you, you guys voted me out. So I, like, I don't really feel any incentive to help you set up your camp, but. And, and I like that because that's basically what Sandy was like. She's like, these guys already voted me out once, you know, yeah. if we go to tribal, what's stopping them from doing it again. And then Sierra takes the exact opposite. Oh, well they voted me out once. How can I, what can I do to fix that? And you know, what actions can I take to, better ingratiate myself so i love that we had both sides of it both sides of the spectrum on on that choice just makes it more interesting when you can see how both both decisions play out um so i've got some other notes here but i don't really know how chronological they go um so let's kind of rattle them off and we'll see what see what comes up so there's no swap in this season they they had the two tribes and they eventually merged but what they do is they Sent, they have Exile Island again, and one member from each tribe goes to exile. So there is some some cross-tribe pollination, if you will. Um, and I really like, or I guess really prefer, any season where there's something where the tribes mix before the merge. Because if, if one tribe is way up in the numbers, 8-4, whatever it might be, it becomes much harder to break that majority without, without idols or immunity runs or twists or advantages. You can just pogong them, you know, right on down the line. But when you have swaps or at least something where people get to meet each other and you know build some relationships, it, it makes the merge much more interesting most of the time when you've got additional relationships outside of you know, your current tribe. Um, so I, I enjoyed exile as a mechanism to kind of get some of that working because they do try to do the um, the exile alliance as well. Brendan and Sierra and Todd and Steven and that that it didn't quite pay full dividends just the way it played out. But it did have some promise and did did result in some some good gameplay, some good moments, I thought. Yeah, I would I would almost say that like out of every. I mean, there's there's scheming and, and plotting that goes on every season, but right. this is one of the most memorable failed schemes that I think I've seen. Um, and, and that might just stick with me because I was so disappointed it didn't work out because it seemed like they were so far ahead of everyone in how they were thinking about the game and they could have used that to such yep. an advantage and it just turned into nothing. Yeah, there was definite promise there. And I, I kind of wish that those four, I mean, as much as I love J- JT and I was happy to see him win, um, if these four could have kind of run the the post-merge game with this secret alliance, it, it would have been a lot of fun to watch, I think. Yeah, it had- would have gone, gone down in history probably as like one of the most famous strategic moves ever. Yeah, if those four had been able to make it to Final Four like together, I mean, it would have been 
yeah, stuff with legends. We'd be maybe talking about Stephen Fishback as a shutout winner instead of a shutout loser. But hey, we got to see him again because yes, of this. Exactly. And a great, a great second appearance there for him as well. Um, let's see. What do I got next? Um, I guess kind of talked about it, I think probably on, on Panama. But what do you think of Exile Island just in general as a as a twist or, or theme for the season? Hmm. I want to make sure I say the same thing I said about Exile Island. If you ask me this question, I don't um, remember if I did. So it's, <laughs> it's like I'm doing it for the first time. I, uh, I think I like it as long as there's not like a huge game determining thing that happens there. Sure. Like it's, it's interesting to mix it in, but I don't need you know, I don't need uh, an Exile Island trip to be necessary in order to come up with the information you need to win the game. So, so you're fine with it where there's an idol there or, or idol clues? Uh, that, or is that that's even too kind of that might be a little much? Um, you know, if I guess if you go by if you go with a bunch of other people, it's not really Exile Island, but um, you know, like. Or at least uh, if you go there with like and get some information you can bring back or I don't know, just not not something as huge as an idol. I would I would I would prefer at least. I can get behind that. I I would prefer it if I, I don't mind if they have clues to the idol there, but I prefer the idol itself yeah, not yep. be hidden at exile. I think what I would really like um and you can tell me if they've done it because i feel like they have but maybe i've seen it on an international version but anyway if if they have a clue to an idol but it's for the other tribes idol so you need to find a way to give that clue to someone on the other tribe they did they did this um this was in one world they they oh, were living on yep. the same yep the same but, oh, island it was on the same that yeah that's why. so it's yeah. similar similar but not the exact same um where i think uh yeah sabrina found the men's idol and gave it to colton yep yeah so I, I think they should bring bring that back when they're on separate beaches and have the idols hidden in different places that's what i don't like with the idol where if it's hidden under the water well at tribe a and then you get swapped to try B, you just go right to the well and you got two idols. Yeah, yeah, that's a little much. Because it rewards that person for being perceptive and on their toes and everything, but it makes it way too easy for one person or one alliance to find multiple idols. Mm-hmm. I think they should, they should, it should be camp specific as to where they are. Yep. All right. Uh, some post-merge stuff. Oh, I guess one last thing on the on the pre-merge, because Taj is is on this season. Fantastic character. And she is famously married to Eddie George, the think Hall of Fame football player. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Um, uh, yeah, he. I think he averaged about three point seven yards a carry. So yeah, <laughs> he, sh- he should be in there. I love it. Um, and so they find that out early on in the season, and then poor Steven is just sitting back. Not, I mean, guy doesn't like sports. What can you do? And he, he's <laughs> yeah. just, he's just so out of the loop, and. You know, as, he, as he'll say in Second Chance, a fish back out of water, which is an incredible turn of phrase there. Mm-hmm. Um, just another a great little humorous moment. 
And and one one quote from Taj, I've got to mark the episode, but I think it's pre-merge, but they're they're talking about maybe even, even comes up with when they find out she's married to Eddie George, so they assume she's rich. Um, and I can be corrected if this is wrong, but they're talking about, you know, what what cause do you have for for needing the money or needing the winning? And she goes, My cause is that I want it. Which which I <laughs> I love that. As a yeah, quote. that's it, amazing. Because it should not matter. I don't think need matters. No, absolutely if, not. If everything else is, if you view everything else as exactly equal and you're going up again and you're voting between either a millionaire or a fresh out of college, you know, grad student or whatever, or someone who's a single parent with a bunch of kids, or whatever it might be. Sure. Then vote for the person who needs it more. But how often is that the case? Probably never yeah i would say never maybe very rarely but you know that that's outside of the game and and so yeah so her just saying my cause is that i want it that's all that should matter and i just love that quote i wish more people would would i wish everyone would adopt that yeah well in that case i'd give it to whoever wants it more <laughs> there you go absolutely um all right so in, into the merge there we get I think maybe my favorite um, one of there's so many good moments. Maybe my favorite moment is the loved ones visit because coach <laughs> doesn't, doesn't bring a spouse no, or no. a brother or a parent he brings well, out later. Yeah, his sorry. assistant coach. And he said, he says something where he's like, if I could have chosen one person to spend this time with, it'd be my assistant coach. And, yep. and they do their stretching. They crack each other's backs. I mean, it's, gold it exactly uh, I mean, coach found his counterpart good for him it's it's television gold yeah and and not tyson his assistant coach this is a different assistant coach <laughs> but uh no his brother comes on in a later season for a loved one's visit which is hilarious because it's like well yeah this guy has like a legitimate family and <laughs> like people he could have brought out the first time but he didn't yeah that's that's great stuff. Um, let's see. That's aside from just talking about, I guess, JT and his game and how he played or how he is as a winner. Any other moments or pieces of strategy or anything that you want to touch on? Um, oh, I mean, the original dragon was on this season, Brendan. And, That's right. Uh, you know, there was one point where he just, he seemed like he was firmly in the driver's seat. Um, and, and it kind of, I don't know, it kind of fell apart for him. And the same thing happened. Um, I think the same thing happened with Taj too, where I've, I've talked before about it's, it's interesting to see which players get stronger as the game goes on, um, which ones get worn down and kind of fade away. And this, you know, those two big players early on seem to kind of fade away as the season unfolded. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I unfortunately really remember about those two, um, which is sad because they, they both showed up so strong and uh, would be, it would be kind of fun to see both of them back again, but we'll, we'll get to that later too. But um, yeah, so there's, that's one thing that I, wanted to mention a little bit and then another thing was um how i guess 
Taj just gives her idol away. Like that's, I think forgotten. Um, but Fishback ends up with it and him and JT decide what to do with it. And none of it really involves Taj. Yeah. I mean, again, people viewed the idol so differently back, back then. It is really fun and curious to see how that was used as a strategic play or bargaining chip or whatever it might be back in its early, early days. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it it's it was weird to me, obviously, because I had seen some of the most recent seasons before I'd gone back and watched all of these. So, you know, like how valuable people think idols are and mm-hmm. like just the wild hunts that you see to track these things down and store them up until the final six. And and uh, it was just so different. You know, like especially when they've had such a carefully planned out strategy with the exile with the exile alliance, and then to have it end up like that was uh, it just stuck with me. All right, and you kind of tease this a little bit with Taj and Brendan, but for second chance players, they were two of my three, and then I would also mark down Debbie. I'd I'd like to see Debbie come back. Um, those are the three that I, I had. Who who would you mark down for a second chancer on this one? Uh, I'd go Taj and Brendan, but I, I feel like I might be in the minority here, but I kind of like Sierra. I, I would like to see her come back. I think that she got a really raw deal, um, especially with Coach and Tyson early on, and um, it was kind of made to look weak and... Um, a little complainy and just it you could see that like she actually like really cared and had some strength and uh i i loved one of coach's moments with her towards the end of the season where um he was like yeah you know i i can tell i can tell that she really cares or something like that and um he's like i you know, the coach in me wants to kick in and it's, I can't, I can't talk about Sierra without mentioning some hilarious coach stuff, but um, like coach really felt for her too, towards the end of the season. And he wanted to help her out at at certain times. And um, yeah, I would like to see how she played it a second time through. Yeah. All all good points. I don't know that she'd be on my list, but I don't think I would have any complaints if she, if she came back, you know, as we're going through these lists, I was looking at it. We're at, at least for, we're at about 70 players on our master list, maybe like, or like not like 70 men, 60 women, something like that. So when we, when we're going to be cutting down, you know, 80% of the list, ultimately that'll be a a good and a long fun podcast, but there's so many worthy one-time players is basically the, the main point that yep. they they've got plenty of cast to pull from for for a few second chance seasons. It seems like, yeah. Um, but speaking of guys who've already come back, and like we alluded to, some iconic players um, show up for the first time here: Coach JT, Fishback, and Tyson. Where do you see them in terms of coming back? You you good? You want to see them again? I feel like I know the answer for Coach at least. Oh, absolutely. It's been so long for coach. Um, coach would feel kind of fresh again. I think like we've seen Tyson 
on 27, 40. Um, we've seen JT on uh, 20 and 34, Fishback on 31. Um, so they're all pretty recent other than Coach. And um, as far as JT goes, I he's the only one that I wouldn't want to see again. I think that, um, like you said, he, he dominated the game, played a great game, but we've kind of seen since then that he might not be the player that he appeared to be his first time through. See, that's one reason why I would like to see him again, because you have token scenes where you can see what he can do. And then you have heroes versus villains and game changers where he just flames out in spectacular <laughs> fashion. So even though his placement results have not been great after his win, the way he goes out and the way he plays have at least been very entertaining. I yeah. Mean, the letter to Russell basically blowing the tribal at um, the double tribal at in game changers. I mean, it's, it's great stuff. So I, I think even though he wasn't on winners at war, I think kind of like we talked about with those players or so Tyson included there, that it would need to be kind of on, on a legend season where if he came back on like a fans versus favorites type, or even really just a returning player in general season, I don't know that I'd be too excited. I think there are plenty of other one or two time players that would deserve to come back over him, but if there's, they legit do a legend season. I think he should be in consideration. Um, but Tyson, I'll never say no to Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh I mean, even on Winners at War, it still seemed like he was like we were learning new things about him and just seeing different sides of him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's Pickleball's number one influencer these days. It's like he's sponsored by Fila. It's it's awesome. Like legitimately sponsored by Fila for Pickleball. It's I, yeah, I didn't know that that happened recently. So, it's I oh. mean, yeah, he's he's one of a kind and someone like that will always play on Survivor. Um, but let's let's keep this moving right along as we try not to go super long tonight, but we're in danger of that already. <laughs> but that's just the way it goes. Uh, our 14th ranked season, somewhat a some would say controversial, depending on how you view the, res- the end result. Season 19, Samoa, won by Natalie White. Of course, introduces Russell Hans, maybe the most iconic villain in the show's history. This is my 14th ranked season, Jared's 17th. And it seems like the general consensus on this is it kind of goes off of two things, how much utility and enjoyment you get out of Russell. And how do you view Natalie's win over Russell at final tribal? And, and that's really the, the crux of it. At least if you ask me, because there's some good characters, but you know, you've got Ben being just like a trash person. Um, you've you've got Russell basically receiving the entire con- confessional count for the entire season. <laughs> and it, it basically serves as a commercial for Heroes versus Villains, which, of course, is the, the very next season. And so if you don't enjoy Russell, and even though I do enjoy him as a character... I'm not going to argue with anybody that says they can't stand him because I can absolutely see how that's the case. Um, And while I think, and I think this is probably the most interesting thing to talk about, while I think I would have voted for Russell had I been out there, which of course is easier to say when you weren't out there, I don't 
take issue with Natalie's win because I can see the the arguments, maybe not even for her, but against Russell. Yeah, I um, man, I don't know really where to start with this, but in general, I thought Russell was pretty enjoyable to watch for his um, few seasons, but. Uh, I I don't have a problem with Natalie winning either. I and it's not just that I can see why they would not want to vote for Russell. It's that I actually think she made some low key moves too um, that seem I think go unnoticed just because Russell took up so much of the attention. But I thought I thought she was a really good player. Yeah, I mean she she played a fantastic social game. And and Russell, he had zero social game. And I think it's safe to say that was clearly the difference between Natalie and Russell. When I don't think Mick ever really was in the running at all for, <laughs> for the win. He was just kind of there because someone had to be. But, but you see how people felt about Russell. And I mentioned this before. Well, I'm pretty sure it was, it was Stephen Fishback. And he, he said that the jury wants to vote for someone that they can feel good about as a winner, that they can feel good about saying this person represents my season. And I don't see many people thinking Russell would, 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 would fit the bill for that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and because as much as you want to say the, the, the game shouldn't be emotional, it should just be the game is the game is the game. But they, they call it the, the greatest social experiment for a reason. You know, oh, you, yeah. can't, you can't separate socializing and emotions. Like you just literally cannot do it. And, and Russell just didn't understand that part of the game. Yeah. It, to say, to say that you should be able to separate the game from the social part or, or from, you know, feelings or whatever is, I, I don't, I don't understand that because that is the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, no, no issues with how it turned out. Uh, I thought, you know, just the kind of the, um, decision that everyone was faced with of who to vote for the better social player, the better strategic, better strategic player made the season more interesting. And I think I I marked this down specifically after, um, the final five immunity when Brett wins. Brett, he's Brett. He's not Mike Tyson. <laughs> right? No, that great, was a good Russell quote. He's no Mike Tyson. He's Brett. It's a great <laughs> Russell quote. But it this is like perfectly, it perfectly exemplifies how poorly, how poor of a read Russell had on the tribe and the game. He kind of breaks down each player. He says, Natalie wrote his coattails and has no chance at final three. Jason can't beat him at the end, but also can't beat Brett in the challenges. Mick can beat Brett in challenges, but might beat Russell in the final. I mean, Mick got zero votes. Natalie, yeah. Natalie won. Mick couldn't and, do anything in a challenge either. Yeah. So, I mean, Russell just had zero idea how to perceive the other players on in, still in the game and how the jury, most importantly, was viewing those players. Because, I mean, jury, man- jury management along with self-awareness are two of the most critical skills to have in this game. And and Russell exemplifies that in back-to-back seasons. Yep. 
Yep. By not winning. So yes. <laughs> that's. And by having no chance to win. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, he's really a, a unique case to study. Um, I do. I want to add one thing about him. So a lot of these um, on the rewatch I've been going through with my girlfriend and, and, you know, it's her first time watching a lot of these seasons. And obviously I've seen most of them twice already, um, uh-huh. if not more. And the type of character that, that she is drawn to is just the stand up good guy, um, you know, strong social game or, or for, you know, our favorite girls, she likes the Sandra types who mm-hmm. have some sass and, you know, like, are witty and, and can strategize, you know, and, and kind of outwit the guys. And, um, so her, she loves Yule. Um, that's like, Rightfully a, so. yep. That's a, a typical choice for someone that would be towards the top of her favorite players list. But, um, when we were watching this, she could not get enough Russell. She was just super, <laughs> super into Russell. Um, every time he'd find an idol, she would just freak out. And uh, that was that was kind of telling as to the effect that he has on people. Did she know the result of the of the season before nope. watching it? No, nope. she had no okay. idea. So I was going to say, like we've talked about with some players, where once you know they don't win, if, they, if they're grading the first time, you can appreciate them a lot more the second time. So I could see I could see someone viewing Russ like that, where if you know he doesn't win, if you're like this guy's a jerk, I don't want to see him win the game. But then if you know, okay, I know he loses, you can kind of sep- you kind of split those parts up and separate it. Like, okay, he doesn't win, so let me just enjoy what he's doing, not be stressed about it. But yeah, when I watch for the first time, I, I yeah, like like she like her, I could not get enough of him. I mean, every confessional. You know, I don't, I'm not here for the money. I'm only here to show everyone how easy it is to win this game. <laughs> you know, uh, finding out without clues, you know, he's, he's kind of busting that part of the game wide open. I mean, if, if anyone's a game changer, he, he qualifies as, as that term as we get to that season, either last tonight or first thing next week, depending on how long we go here. A lot of players don't qualify for that term. And, and he, whether you know, love him or hate him, he absolutely is one of the biggest game changers for Survivor. Yeah, it's hard to think of anyone who has just blown the game up or like completely changed how you look at certain aspects of it like he has. Yeah, yeah. There was never anybody like him before. No one liked him since. Some... You get some people that were other players say, "Oh, he's like a mini Russell," but it's like no one is like Russell. It's no. kind of like it's kind of like Johnny Fairplay. There's, there's <laughs> only one, and that's plenty. But there's there's only one. Or yeah. or how people say, "Oh, she's just like poverty." It's like no, no one's like poverty except for poverty. Yep, agreed. Um, at the final tribal, obviously the kind of the most well known moment probably is Eric's impassioned plea advocating for natalie i was you know of course there's no way to know for sure but do you think that swayed anybody or do you think it was pretty well set that that natalie was gonna take home the money i i don't think it i don't think it should have swayed anyone i mean they're obviously two completely different 
players. So it's like you have a preference one way or the other. Um, they played completely different games. And if you emphasize that game changing talent, um, you know, or social game more, you're going to vote for one or the other. And it's not really going to matter if one person's like, Oh, by the way, um, here's why you should vote for Natalie. Yeah. I mean, it was incredibly sweet. It was, I mean, she got, got her choked, choked up a little bit, tearing up a little bit. And I think I agree with everything he said, but those kind of big time, please, you've got, um, was it Dave in Redemption Island, Spencer yep. in yep. in Kagayan, yep, and I'm sure there's others, but those are there's just ones that come to mind. That yeah, they make for good TV moments, but I I, I always wonder when that happens on how much of an effect that has versus just asking a question. Yeah, um... although as as we've seen, not every question. It means anything either <laughs> not all questions are equal <laughs> yeah it I mean, was I'm pretty uh, sure little teaser i think micronesia has the single worst <laughs> jury question of all time if you we, know you know if you don't you have to wait a couple weeks yep yep uh oh man oh I'll, i won't even share my thoughts on that but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it, i for these two, I feel like you, you knew going in um, and it, it might have been more productive to ask a question rather than make a pitch like this. I wonder if they, if anyone ever makes a big plea and then also asks, asks a question because I think they have like unlimited time. So I, I think Final Travel will often go like way longer than what we see in the 20 minutes on TV. I think it'll go a couple hours or as long as they need it to go. Hmm. Okay. I, I thought... Well, in some of the earlier seasons, I thought you get one question and and that's it. So I don't know when they start expanding it. Um, that obviously, was, I believe that was Game Changers was the was the first time they kind of did the, the open discussion. OK. Yeah. Um, but I just remember like. So when you say I wonder if someone has ever made a pitch and then asked a question, if if the pitch counted as that question then maybe but i don't know i know i feel like if they give them as much time as they want in regular tribals they should give them as much time as they want in the one that's deciding who's gonna get a million dollars yeah yeah but it's not but as as we said a couple times people don't don't always use that that time wisely anyway so they're gonna waste 30 seconds are they really gonna be that much better given an hour but i i just wouldn't want to like if you really want someone to win, I feel like giving them a chance to say something themselves would play a lot better and be a lot stronger of a case than you saying something for them. Yeah, it, it's ugh, it's it kind of complicated to think about where, you know, if you don't give them the opportunity to answer a question, are you making it more about yourself at final tribal um, while at the same time you are advocating for someone else, yeah, because you should let the players at who are still in the who are in the final sway you. you. Shouldn't let like I shouldn't let you and your opinions on the game sway me because our opinions aren't going to match up one to one. Yeah, yeah. But he just wanted his maybe he just wanted his moment. And that's what he just wanted to say. Although did did he fi- did he finish? Was he the last one to go? I don't know. I just I remember he that he was like, 
he showed up mad at every tribal because <laughs> he got blindsided. So who knows what all went into that speech. All right. Uh, a couple other smaller things, I guess. What do you think of the tribe, the tribe leaders? Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Yep. There is so it was it was weird. It was like mandatory leaders. We you must name a leader. And uh, I I understand that like it's a decision if you want to step up and do it because that puts you in a completely different light. But um, the fact that they just forced it to happen for both of the tribes was kind of weird to me. Yeah, I liked it for the very first challenge. You've got to have someone basically do a first impressions draft for um, a swimmer, a strong person, most agile and the smartest. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed that because you're 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 putting someone really on the spot right off the bat. Yep. And so that that played really well. But yeah, like you said, the forced leader. It didn't quite work because then if someone volunteers for the leader position and they keep doing it, that's one thing. But everyone knows how much of a target the leader or even the perceived leader is to force someone into that position seems a little too unfair. Yep. And uh, if I remember right, it's not even that like you offered yourself to be the leader. It was just that Jeff was like, Hey, who on your tribe is going to be the leader. And then they all said the same person. And then you're just like stuck being the guy that everyone wants to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. Cause wait, did they do, they did a vote, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is better when someone volunteers because then they're actively putting themselves in the line of fire, which plays a little different. But, but as a result of the leaders thing, though, we did get a great decision from the other Russell on this season, uh, where he was the one person that made the unilateral decision to take pillows uh, for his tribe instead of a tarp. And then I, <laughs> I believe it proceeded to rain for about 98 days straight <laughs> after that. I know you're a comfort keep, tribe, Jeff. You got to keep the women happy. That's where, or whatever, <laughs> however he phrased it. Yeah. And uh, we've said this before, and I'm sure we'll say it again. Why do you take pillows over a tarp? They are useless the first <laughs> time you get rained on. Tarp will always. The tarp always as, plays. Aside from fire. Tarp is arguably the most important thing to have in that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe even more so than fire. Yeah. As long as you got a, a well with clean drinking water, you don't have or to Or not clean drinking water if you're Rudy. If you're Rudy. What's that? One, another, another one of a kind. But when you see these seasons where people are just drenched, I mean, Eric... Eric found that little cutout tree <laughs> yeah. to just hide in for like... Tw- I think it was... Gosh, so... Have you read um, any of the what they what they call the the quarantine confessional quarantine questionnaire that Dalton Ross does at, at Intimate Weekly? Nope. So he, I check it out. There's a lot of really really fun info there. He catches up with a lot of older Survivor players and it's kind of asks them got a standard question. They, I think he emails it to him. They they send it back. And um and I, Eric Cardona, he was, I think he said he was in that tree for like 20 straight hours. <laughs> Just, just curl up, uh, covered by his jacket. I mean, that just had to be beyond miserable. Yeah, just think they could have 
they could have filmed that and then for the entirety of every episode of the season they could have just played that and it would have filled the whole thing <laughs> i hadn't thought about it in that way but but yes that um shockingly is is extremely accurate uh one challenge i want to ask you about the bowling challenge ah yes yes uh it you know it jared's an, ex- look- an excellent bowler <laughs> didn't look a lot like bowling to me but <laughs> aside, um, aside from having a ball and pins yeah i i can imagine exactly what would have happened is that you know at some point in the days leading up to that, my tribe would have found out that I bowl and we would get to that challenge and they'd be all super excited. And then (laughs) I would see it and I'd be like, well, come on, this isn't even bowling. And then they'd be mad at me for not single-handedly winning it for the team. That one was individual immunity though, wasn't it? Oh, well, then I would be even more embarrassed if I didn't win it (laughs) by, by myself. So I'd be like, Oh, yeah, I thought this guy was uh, was was a real bowler, but I guess not. Yeah, no, I am. That's why I can't do this. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a good way to put it. That that's the thing I've always worried about. Like, I don't have one like unique skill like that. Where trivia? That's, that's my trivia. thing. You got it. I guess. I guess so. But like, I would even if I did, I wouldn't want unless I'm literally Christian Hubicki and puzzles. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't want to volunteer any of that information. Mm-hmm. Like any of like the, the throwing and knocking blocks down with the sandbags. I think I, I think I'd be very good at that, but that's gonna be like a closing part of the challenge. If someone says, Hey Matt, you want to do this? You're gonna do this. I'm like, fine, I guess so. But I would not volunteer for that. Yeah, they'd they'd be like, Oh, you played baseball. Yeah, you gotta do this. Like, yeah, I played baseball when I was 15. <laughs> yeah. And it's not quite the same. Yes. Unless you're a Chris and, and you're, and you, and you, and you toss the ball a little bit or however, however he phrased it. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I feel like toss the rock, maybe toss was, the rock. Uh... Talk about baseball. That's what it is. Well, I, yeah. I have the quote in my ghost island notes, which is still a couple weeks away, but, but yeah, like just having that specific skill, I want to keep it to myself and then hopefully it would come into play in the individual portion, but it's just an easy way to throw a target on your back unnecessarily. Yep. Yeah. And, and that bowling challenge being an individual immunity challenge um, would be so conflicting for me because my strategy, I will always say my strategy when I go on the show would be to present myself as the worst individual immunity challenge player that's ever played the game. Ooh, I like so, that when you go on the show. Yep. Yep. I'm going to speak it into existence. <laughs> All right. Second chance for Samoa. I actually like this cast quite a bit. Um, so I've got a few. Um, Natalie, winner mm-hmm. who hasn't played again, of course. I would take Eric, Jason. Uh, I'm going to take Mick off the list. I had him on there. But I'm going to take him off. Um, John, Mr. Poverty Shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Ball always Danger. gets called. Always gets called by Dave Ball. I don't know why Jeff insisted on calling him Dave Ball instead of just Dave. Um, but his favorite sport is lovemaking. Incredible, 
incredible <laughs> comment. And of course, the one and only Shambo. The Shambo. Oh man, that's a strong list. Um, I think Russell really overshadows how strong this cast was. Yeah, he does. He does. We gotta we gotta bring some of these people back. Um, man, I go Natalie for sure. Um, oof, we'll leave Mike Tyson off. Um, <laughs> don't need to see Brett again. Uh, Jason made me really sad. Just he was so down for he, the entire season. Such a hard go of it for <laughs> yeah, almost the entire season, especially early on. Yeah, man. Um, I I don't know. I I could go either way on him. Um, but yes, Dave, a hundred percent. Um, Mister Poverty, hundred percent, and. Uh, Hmm. Well, uh, Shambo, yeah, sure. Why not? That's that's one of those where if she feels more gimmicky to me. Um, yeah, she's not going to blow you away with strategy, but she's going to give you some some very entertaining moments. That's a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for as much as we love Coach. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if I I don't know if I'd go that far because like. Philip Shepard is more of a gimmicky kind of guy who feels like he's really playing it up. And coach is a legitimately outrageous person who seems like a gimmick, but he's not. And I, I guess I, <laughs> I don't really know where to put Shambo on that spectrum. I, I don't think she's, I mean, I think she's gimmicky in the sense of casting. Like you're, she's one of a kind. But I think Shambo is authentically Shambo. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't know that she was necessarily playing it up for the camera, like like Coach might have, like Philip might, or you know, a, or someone like a Debbie or Nora might. I think Shambo is Shambo, and you're getting Shambo. But just okay. just just That's her fair. personality in general kind of makes her a gimmicky casting choice. But it, it's just because of. Of, of who she how quirky and just like hilarious she is just naturally all right put her on my list i'm in she's on all right so then the question do you want to see i guess either russell or monica return those are the the three that have come back monica i, I had high hopes for her in, in second chance um but another, another one i wouldn't complain if she came back but i'm not i would be super thrilled russell swan I'm probably fine with not, you know, I think we've, I think we've seen he's run his course, Russell Hans. So he, he does come back obviously next scene for heroes, villains, and then later redemption Island. And then on a fourth appearance on Australian survivor. And what? Of, course, of course is a different, you know, different type of game, the way they view it. But Russell is who he is as a player at this point. And, and his success in Heroes versus Villains, which we'll don't want to get too deep into tonight, was largely predicated on the fact that no one had had seen his game or his full game already. So he was basically able to do the same thing again. And then you see it in Redemption Island, you see it in Australian Survivor. That game doesn't work. And when he's out early, what's the point of bring of having him on the show? 
I, I would say no to Russell, but if he came back, I don't know that I'd complain, but he's he's certainly not someone that I would I would push for. Yeah, I would say I would say a hard no for the first two and a maybe for Russell Hans. I think they'd have to bring him back in some sort of you know, like a, like a legend season or like a, a rivalry type season, something. I think he would need to come back on some sort of themed season. I think give him, give him someone to kind of match up against kind of like what they wanted to do in redemption Island, but make it more spread throughout the entire, entire cast, not just two people on opposing tribes. They might never even see each other. Yeah. But so I, I think, I think he could work. As, as a good casting choice, but I also think he'd get voted out so soon that it maybe wouldn't be worth bringing him back. But again, you never know. You never know what you get, what you're going to get with him. Yeah. Could, could it be a Tony Vlaco situation though? Cause we've seen Tony make a deep run and then we've seen him get voted off super early and then he came back and Hey, what do you know? That's, that's a great point. I guess, I guess we'll have to cast him again and to see I, I shouldn't insult Tony like that. Tony's <laughs> an absolute survivor legend, yes. like in terms of how he plays the game. But. Yes, one hundred percent. All right. So, do you want to knock out one more season tonight, or do you want to? Uh, let's let's sneak another one in here. Okay. So the one we're going to close with, our I think it's our last big split. We got a few more, of course, coming, but. This is a 20-season ranking yes. split. Yes, it is. Our season 13, my 25th-ranked season, Jared's fifth, season 34, Game Changers. One, of course, by the great Sarah Lucina. And Jared... Lucina. Lucina. She wasn't Lucina yet. No, but retroactively, later. we will name her Lucina. Fair enough. If it, she deserves it, unquestionably. So, as you are certainly higher than the general fan consensus on this, I'll let you take the lead, at least to start. Game Changers, top five season for Jared here. Yeah, uh, not going to come in with a super strong argument. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was like, it was all cast for me. Um, I, was, I was pretty much sold because I... Again, like my first time seeing this, I had no idea what happened. I didn't really know who was going to be on. And you give me Ozzy, you give me Suri, like you give me JT. Um, I mean, it like I love Aubrey. She was on there. Um, Michaela, I had just seen for the first time a season before that. I liked Michaela. And um, I like, oh, um, Andrea, love Andrea. And it was big Andrea fan club, the two of us. Yep. Yep. Um, and I pretty much everything that happened in the season, I saw through just like this very positive, like wide eyed lens, like of this child that was just like, Oh, this is so cool. All these people are back. And, um, a lot of the things that I'm sure people didn't really like about the season didn't bother me that much just because, and, and of course, Tony and Sandra, um, you know, they both 
exited too soon. Um, but like just that kind of stuff, even early on in the game, their little rivalry kept me interested. And then the game kind of progressed, um, you know, like Ty ended up playing a major factor in it and just kind of unfolded in this surprising way to me where the people that, you know, I thought were going to be at the top going in, didn't necessarily end up there. Um, and yeah, it, I, I just, it had my interest the whole way through and, um, I, I should feel worse about this season than the typical fan because Suri, aside from coach is my favorite contestant ever. And this was a soul crusher for Suri. Yes. Um, so since you mentioned that, might as well jump ahead to was that final six, the advantage get in, mm-hmm. which it, it kind of epitomizes the kind of the current state of Survivor from a, from a production standpoint. And it's like the definition of style over substance. And in a, in a season like this, I, I don't know how you let that happen. And I know Jeff played it off as this historic moment where oh, Suri couldn't, you know, she's eliminated, but still didn't even receive any votes or however he phrased it. And that's a problem. Yeah. Absolute problem. (laughs) It it is historic. That's, that's not that you can argue that, but on the very, very negative side, you can't let it get to that point where someone is just, is, is gone by default. She wasn't a target. She didn't make a mistake. Everyone else just had some some doohickey, idle immunity, whatever it was, to prevent themselves from going home or going to, you know, going to the jury. And then so because there's no other option, she's just gone. You, you can't let that happen. And I think to have it happen to someone like Suri made it, made it worse. Yeah, it was. Well, like you said, he played it off as like, oh, and she still didn't get a vote. What an incredible player. And it's like, well, yes, but it's more what a horrible setup. Like, that's why she shouldn't have gone home. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because one, Suri has no business being that close to the end in terms terms of as a player. Yes. But in terms of her competition, allowing her to get to that point, what are you doing? This is I don't I, care. Uh, I don't care who's, I seriously, who's on your season. That this is Suri Fields we're talking about. You do not let her sniff the end of that game. <laughs> that's I think that's just how good she is. I, she's just that good. And uh, I mean, yes, like you can make her a target early on, but how many are there? Like you have to get Sandra out early. You have to get Tony out early. Everyone, there's always a target, and the ones like Sari that really know how to maneuver their way through the game will find a way to sneak under the radar. I mean, I think she's got an argument for being the best social player to ever play the game. Yep. Top, top three for sure. And she also has serious strategic chops as well. Yep. And then I think it, it almost helps that she's kind of a non-factor in challenges because she's so strong in the other two parts that, she can always kind of use that as like, oh, well, I'm not going to win a challenge. You can vote me, vote me off later. I'm not going to win anything. Yeah. Um, 
she's kind of in the same mold as Sandra in that way. Um, yeah. You know, super strong socially and not a threat in challenges, but yeah, it, it's tough to think of anyone better socially. I think someone like, like, like Lucina or even like a Michelle could be there, but they just haven't done it as as much as as Suri has yeah it's hard to it's hard to tell with Michelle um I, I mean I think it has to be her social game because yeah and then she's obviously stronger in challenges than Suri but she yep. hasn't necessarily made like big strategic moves but she's made it to the end twice so she's obviously doing something right I mean and one of those times she won of course so there's something about about her and we've talked before about how how hard it is to edit an effective social game, especially for the U S edition of the show that it has to be that for her. And that that's what one of my bigger issues with, with the season um, for, unless there's any, anything else that you want to go, go on about, about what <laughs> put so high for you before I jump. No, in. just um, I thought it was super cool that they, they brought the, legacy advantage in and then the whole thing with Michaela um you know missing the <laughs> the clue on the bench and she, she's just, just so she's so hot she's so heated at that she's not even yeah. paying attention to anything yep and Lucina just sneaks in and uh takes it away and and uses it you know to eventually win but um yeah I I just I thought um it was not the best cast that they could have come up with um, for a season called Game Changers, but yep. it ended up, I still think, working out pretty well. Um, that crazy tribal where JT ended up going home and, you know, the tribes were kind of like mixing together because they were both there and they had to figure out who to send. And um, yeah, just a lot, a lot well, of really. That's, that's the Malcolm vote. Oh the, yeah, the yeah, J, yeah. JT is the yeah. catalyst for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, then JT goes yeah. home when he does not bring his idol to, to okay. tribal. Yeah. So well, there's two then. There are two more votes that are uh, like pretty memorable. And um, yeah, I just I I think it still it still ended up working out well for me um, as far as the actual gameplay went. Just like very intense gameplay moments, uh, seemingly every episode. Yeah, like you said with the um with the cast, that's kind of where it starts for me. Cause you you have a show called Game or a season called Game Changers, and then you bring back Haley, Sierra, and Troyzan, among others. <laughs> yeah. And from a you know, I've got nothing against them personally. I, I don't know them. I couldn't logically have anything against them. I like Troyzan just fine. Game changer, no. Sierra and Haley, game changer, absolutely not. And then you have them on a cast with people like Ozzy and Tony and Sandra. And it felt so mismatched and unbalanced. I think, and maybe this is a little unfair, but I think they did it. They kind of put themselves in a hole even before the season started by, like you said, calling it game changers. That it, it kind of put this expectation on the season that it just couldn't live up to. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we've talked about Andrea, how much, how much we love Andrea, but as far as game changer goes, 
I think I, she has I, a. I think she's a very fine player, but yeah, she has a really solid game. But I wouldn't say it's like an overwhelmingly unique type of game changing game. Yeah, she's good in challenges. She's good strategically. She's great socially, but she hasn't done anything. I mean, when you think about the term game changer, legitimately, there are probably very few players who are who would actually fit the definition of. And so when you come up with a theme like that, you've got to try to squeeze people in one way or another. And I know I know Jeff, they were taking some heat for some of the casting choices and he was saying, oh, well, we also took it as you know people who we thought could be game changers. And it's like, I mean, then you're just projecting your own subjective opinions and potential thoughts on what people might be able to maybe pull off. Yeah. And that's how you get Haley Ford on Game Changers. <laughs> yeah. I, Varner certainly changed uh, something. So that, how many times have you watched this season? <laughs> Twice. That, knowing that was coming, like just the dread of watching that moment. Oh man, it, it, it played so much worse for me on the rewatch. Yeah. I mean, the first time, you know, watching it live, I was, I was stunned that that had happened. And, and the way well, first you have to like, it it takes you a second to process. You're like, well, wait a second. And by the time you realize what happened, it's like another minute in and uh, you got to catch up, but yeah. And, and then the way they handled it is it was nothing that they could really edit out of the season without just saying Varner messed up and <laughs> he was unanimously kicked out of the game by the tribe. I mean, because it'd be, it, I mean, the way Jeff, Jeff handled it, and the way the tribe reacted to it, the way Zeke handled it, which, I mean, and in that situation, he has the right to react however he damn well pleases. 50 I mean, gold stars to Zeke. If, if he wanted to stand up and punch Varner in the face and walk off the game and just leave, <laughs> fine. Do that. No one's going to yell at you for that. But the way... We don't he, advocate for violence on this show. Except for maybe this one case. Yes, maybe. Would have been... Would have been not called, maybe not called for, but accepted. Um, but the way he handled it, I mean, that is still one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Just to have your entire world change like that. I can't, <sighs> can't even imagine. I have nothing that I can even come close to comparing that to. It's something like what would happen, what would be said about me that would even become a percent of a percent of a percent of what Zeke must've been going through in that moment. And then where he just, he just sits there and I don't know if it was just, he was so stunned. He didn't know how to, how to react or if he was, and then he was able to speak about it. And I mean, it made Varner come, come off even worse. Actually. I thought with how compassionate Zeke was towards Varner. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that, that was definitely a, a kind of like the, Island of the Idols. It was kind of a dark cloud moment that didn't yeah. quite because of the way the show handled it and the way it kind of didn't play into the rest of the season, didn't linger like like Dan did, but but still that it did kind of change the feeling of the of the show at least for a few episodes after that. That was 
Yeah. That was something you don't ever want to see, obviously. No. Um, but I do, I do think that how, like you said, how it was handled by everyone involved um, in like a crazy way made it like, I don't know. Like I accept that as a moment that happened on the show um, where it's like, we, we wish it never happened, but now that it did um, like, it's such a unique situation and to have it just play out like in front of everyone like that live at tribal, like to see how they all reacted to it, to feel how you react to it at home. Like, it, you can't recreate that moment. You wouldn't want to, but it's, but the fact that it happened, like I, it doesn't, it doesn't, I think of it differently than I do um, the Dan stuff. And, and part of that is there's, cause there's no, there's no question about it. it yeah. It's not, Dan was maybe a little too touchy and, you know, maybe, you know, Kelly voiced her discomfort with it, but maybe he didn't take it seriously or whatever, whatever it might be. Not that I am poking holes in that. Cause you know, Kelly says it, she says it, I believe her not that's beside the point, but with the, with the Varner thing, it happened and it happened in front of half the people in the game, plus probes, plus all of the other producers and people on the show. There was no, there was no gray area whatsoever about, about that. And the fact that every single player at tribal came to Zeke's immediate defense, it does change, change it a little bit because it was very heartwarming in a sense to see just that instant kind of reactionary support. Like support that they gave. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And not to, not to keep pilot on Varner, but uh, well, he, <laughs> he he did seemed, he did pitch his book at at the, that is at what i was just show. gonna mention um yeah there seemed to be a moment where he realized how wrong it was and how bad he should feel and i was like okay this is a moment that we can all learn from here and then yeah, at the reunion, he's like, by the way, I wrote a book on dealing with uh, poor decisions. And <laughs> like, okay, I guess. And uh, pitching your book when you're the most vilified person that shows history to that point, maybe, is not a way to deal with the poor decision. So that, yeah. Ugh. Well, I, I think anyway, we covered that. that I had enough, to make but, sure that we mentioned that. But yeah, that yeah. Was, I uh, mean, you can't talk about Game Changers without talking about that moment and as poorly as it could have gone you know i think it probably once it happened i think it probably went as as well as they could have hoped yeah but but definitely a a dark cloud over the over the season but um let's get back into the to the game itself um so aside from the the cast one of my bigger issues with with the show is it was very up and down and kind of inconsistent. It was like a lot of big moments, but they didn't really form in my mind, any sort of like cohesive storyline. And 
So, I mean, so you've got, and part of that goes to the, the function of the game. They did a, a bunch of swaps and, and whatnot like early, early in the show, in the season. So they aired, they aired two hours um, in the first week. And then in episode two or hour three, however you want to, I want to say it's in week two, they did a, sw- they did a swap right away. And then they swapped again. Um, episode five, maybe. Yep. Episode five, they did another switch. It's a lot of moving parts. And I like it from the, from the players. Cause they, you all got to keep them on their toes. They can never get too comfortable, but from a viewer standpoint, you got to give it's them the- a ch- chance to figure out who's playing with who and why. And, it's better on a returning season because you know the players going in. So you're not trying to learn new people while also trying to figure out alliances and strategies and all that. But it it made it it made it harder for for sure like casual fans to to keep up with what was happening. If you got people listening to you know the know it alls or reading recaps, you know when the episode is done they're going to have a better handle on it, but just for the average fan, it, it could be really difficult to kind of keep track of what's happening and why. And, and so that, that definitely played a part in the season, not quite working for me. I think it worked better as a binge for me. Cause I, the first time I watched it was live. Second time I watched it, you know, just crushed it in a couple days, two or three days, probably. And so there's not that time in between, so you, you see just it kind of goes at a quicker pace. You kind of at least for me it made it a little easier to keep track of of groups and, and alliances and whatnot. But for the season as a whole, it definitely didn't help its case. And it kind of resulted in in Lacina getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. And part of that, as much as I like her, as great of a player as she's proven to be, she's not a very dynamic television personality. So she's not going to be getting tons of confessionals, you know, the way a Boston Rob or an Aubrey or Kelly Wentworth might that they need to kind of pick and choose what they use of her a little more. And because her game is so social, it's harder to showcase what she's doing without kind of shoving obvious winner confessionals down the throats of the viewers. And again, nothing against her. You know, she won the game. So obviously whatever she did worked. But when all of that is combined into 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 one season, it just kind of made for a, a bit of a jumbled mess to me. Yeah, I can, I can see how people would see it that way. Um, yeah, to me, you know, like it's it, far, one of the hardest parts of watching survivor to me especially with all the swaps and stuff is keeping track of who's playing with who um and like i just kind of accept in a lot of the seasons that i'm not going to remember all of it especially if i'm going through it quickly so i don't think that had as much of an effect on me you know not being able to 100 percent keep up with everything happening in this one mm-hmm um, but like I said, there were a, a number of of big time moments. Um, one of the funniest moments in the in this the, sh- the entire show's run is um, JT and Michaela and the sugar. 
so they they won sugar as part of a coffee reward. Yep. They're basically the only two that are eating it. And then at one point, Sandra, reminiscent of her of her fish fish moment in uh, Pearl Islands, decides to just eat the sugar, just eat it herself, and then leave <laughs> leave the jar on the table or wherever it was because of course JT is going to assume Michaela did it mm-hmm. even though she's going to deny it because she didn't do it but at one point Sandra gives a look to the camera just kind of just kind of a, a shoulder you know the Michael Jordan shoulder shrug g- gif that that's basically what she did great facial reaction I mean it's one of the best moments in the <sighs> season one of the funniest moments the show's ever had um and that that moment is always going to be hilarious. Let's see. I had a couple other things here. Um, Debbie and Culpepper. That was that was a relationship to watch for sure. That was truly weird. So it's it's hilarious because Debbie's insane, and I love Debbie, but she's at least on Survivor, she's a crazy person, and I'm I'm here for it as a viewer. Um, but she gets pissed off at Culpepper. Basically, because she's saying he's so controlling, whatever he says goes. And then the big kind of blow up moment is they're at they're at a challenge, and part of the challenge is walking on a balance beam. They they show the the pre-challenge strategy. Debbie says she can balance. They put her on the balance beam, and then she gets pissed at Culpepper because of reasons, basically. And it's it's confusing, but it's it's hilarious each time I see it. Well, I thought she, yeah. So how the challenge played out was they put her on the balance beam and oh, and then she was terrible at it. They she they edit it at least to make her look horrible at it, and then the other girl on her tribe on the balance beam seemed to do a lot better, and then she blamed them losing the challenge on the other girl. Yes, so. And then um, I think she came back and complained about how Brad strategized the challenge or something like that. (laughs) And yeah, it was, it was weird. She like, she did a confessional where she was just, what was it? She's like, and I'm pissed. And, but she like smiled her way through it, which was like, it was like, it was like a crazy person laugh though. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I, it's still going to take me a while to figure out how I feel about Debbie. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Perfect example. Someone I love to watch play would hate to play with. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I totally forgot <laughs> about all of that. Um, see, and that's, that's just another reason why I kind of like the season. Cause there's so many things they're like, Oh yeah, that happened too. Wow. That happened. Um, and there's a there's enough Debbies and <laughs> and Sandras on the show to to keep it moving. All right, um, a couple other big moments. Suri on the on her balance beam in the water. I mean, it's hard to argue against them doing that for Suri. And I, you obviously love her. I love her. Everyone who has a brain loves Suri Fields. But I was this moment didn't really, didn't really do it for me. I don't know if yeah. there's, that there's any player where, where I'd, I would enjoy watching this moment. I know for a lot of people, this was probably one of their one of their favorite parts of the season 
because it's you see this this beloved fan favorite kind of conquer this moment but i think it would yeah. i think it would have been better served doing it but then not airing it yeah um i didn't mind it uh i know you and me have talked about this you know off off show and um i know that like it's it just feels like a little much uh <laughs> where you know like we all we all love suri we don't need to you know drive home even harder that uh you know she's, she's amazing yeah that she has like overcome a lot of you know personal fears during her time on the show and stuff like that we right. if you've seen the show you just know it by now yeah um but i wonder if it had anything to do with it where they wanted this to be her moment because they knew that she just got screwed at the end of the season. That that's a good that's a good thought. They wanted to have something big and positive like this for her. Um I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it if that was um part of their reasoning for doing it. Or including it, I should say. Um but yeah, if you think of it think of it that way, I'm a little more okay with it, but I don't the the kind of the the sappy manufactured emotional moments don't really do it for me typically. Yeah. Everyone every once in a, in a while a random one will just kind of get me. Um but I I can usually even with the family visit I can usually usually do without. Like the winners at war family visit is a waste of time if you ask me for a oh. bad time. Which oh, break my heart. Won't get into that too much but from from a from an episode airtime standpoint, I don't I don't need it. Um, let's well, see. let's make a note of that so we can talk about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it, winners. It, it, it'll get brought up. That's that's on my notes for sure. A uh, couple last things for me at least, and then we'll see where we, where we sit. Anything else we missed? Um, this Sarah Steele vote debacle, whatever you want to call it, with with Ooh. Suri. Yeah. So, so the wording on the advantage is this vote is non-transferable and cannot be stolen from you. It's kind of contradictory because she gives Serena uh-huh. the vote. Uh-huh. And if you think about it, an immunity idol, if I have it and I give it to you, you are in control of that idol. Yep. I have no say in what happens with the idol. Yep. So the non-transferable and cannot be stolen kind of butt heads a little bit because yeah. Serena didn't take it out of her bag or just like steal it, but then has a non-transferable phrasing in there. Yep. So I, I don't think production kind of envisioned that what would happen would happen, uh-huh. but they definitely didn't think through all the possibilities. Maybe they did and they wanted this to happen. But I, I think with, I think with anything that's an advantage or anything like this, it needs to be crystal clear on what the rules are, especially for something brand new, um, or something different. I don't, I don't think this is brand new, but anytime you have worded on there, it's got to be black and white. What the, I guess, rules and, and regulations, if you will, are for whatever that advantage is. Oh yeah, that was. My first time watching it, I, I I had no idea any of this stuff was going to happen. And I what I was most surprised about with that whole thing 
was that Sari did something that was like a big move and could have been seen as really shady and ended up not getting penalized for it and <laughs> actually like it played to her advantage because it showed that it would have been the right move if she could have done it and yeah just another one of those things where it's like wow i mean she's light years ahead of where i would be yep she she's one of a kind but yeah that another one that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and another time cerise kind of gets the short end of the stick which is unfortunately her her theme pretty much in in her survivor run yep but hey if it's got to be someone lovable because you know it just like you're all in it together then yeah or it's got to be someone lovable or hateable true yeah where you can where people can then pile on to the person yeah um lastly at least for me final tribal um two things to note here we'll get into the the lesser first troy zan he was a finalist a lot of people might forget that his his closing statement i actually really appreciated because he was so loud and arrogant and boisterous on on one world and then in this one he's like yeah i know i'm not gonna win this but <laughs> i just want to thank you guys for being a part of this journey allowed me that to partake in this amazing adventure once again. So like, thank you for the bottom of my heart. Whenever you said it, that was a really cool moment where, cause a lot of times the people who get zero votes don't think they're getting zero votes and to have him just fully realize it and accept it in the moment. It was just a really just impressive human moment. I thought. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree. I don't know if I can add much to it, but, uh, I didn't remember him making that speech until I rewatched it and uh-huh. I loved it. Yeah. Got to respect that. And then, uh, then of course the big tribal council change, final tribal council change is moving from the one person, one question to the open format and they force it maybe a little bit of a square peg into a round hole deal where they, do it under the outwit, outplay, and outlast headings, I guess, which kind of works. Um, but I like the idea of, of an open discussion, I think, more than the one que- one person, one question, because we see how often people waste their one question. You know, pick a number. Why did you vote me out? What are you going to do with the money? It's like none of that, none of that matters. How does your sexuality and, resonate? Oh my god! I, I just watched watched an episode yesterday, Saturday or Sunday. I watched that, and it's oh, it's so dumb. <laughs> Everyone was so confused. I'll, I'll hopefully remember to cue that clip up when we get yeah. to Micronesia. Um, ugh, worst question ever. But the so the the open format it help it helps because a lot of people on the jury have more good points to bring up than just one question. Um, but on, on the, on the flip side where you might argue against it is it kind of allows for certain people to maybe take a little too much control of the discussion. You know, if, if I'm on, I'm on the jury and I'm really stumping for you to win, I can just keep, 
pushing the conversation back towards what you did so well or what the other finalists maybe didn't do as well or where they messed up. And I mean, it's to, to each jury member's responsibility to kind of sift through all that. But I think that is one way where it can go a little awry. I like it overall. Um, but there maybe needs to be some more fine tuning even still onto, I mean, not that it's been an issue. I wouldn't say it's not that we've seen, not that I've thought at least, but it still just leaves a possibility for maybe a little runaway jury at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I generally really like the change. Um, it just allows, it allows for so many more possibilities. I, I don't, I don't love the linear, you know, all right, your turn, go sit down, your turn, go sit down. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's a very good thing for the game that, that they use this new format. Um, especially when it, when the end goal is to figure out, you know, who played the most like multifaceted game um, and just have less restrictions on getting to that answer is a good thing. Yeah. Cause what I like, like you said, it, it kind of allows for more discussion where if someone gives an answer to one of the one-off questions, then if that triggers another question for somebody, they still only have their one question where they either just stick to the one they originally planned for or change to this one that just came up because of, because of that answer. Whereas in the open discussion, you can fit in both. If, if someone gives an answer that you don't find satisfactory, but then the person asking says, Oh yeah, I've got what I need. I'm good. You can ask them to extrapolate or explain further or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, overall I, I do like it. And, and it, it's something different if nothing else that you have 33 seasons of the exact same final tribal format. And one thing I've said a couple of times is that the final tribal is often one of my least favorite parts of the season. And a lot of that is because like I've said a couple t- few times tonight, people will waste their chance to really be a part of the jury. Like they don't take full advantage of the responsibility they have in that moment. They make it about themselves or they just aren't taking it seriously enough or whatever it might be that this, this helps work around that for sure. Yeah. Um, it does. I, I mean, if there's if there's an idiot on the jury, they're going to eventually be identified in some way. But um, yeah, at least it's it's easier to work around when generally everyone is there with the same goal. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you want to go over for Game Changers? I don't think so. Um, there's a few like Ty and Culpepper just kind of like that whole bullying thing. And yeah, it, that, it was, that wasn't, that wasn't great. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's, uh, it doesn't even make the list of like top 10 most memorable things about the season. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's more that we could talk about on a lot of these that, you know, we kind of have to pick and choose, especially as we get towards the top of the list here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. So clear, obviously there's no second chance for this season because everyone has already played twice at least by this time. Um, but as far as players to come back, we probably don't need to go over a full list cause it's probably half the cast, but a bunch, there's a bunch of people on, on this cast that I, that I wouldn't mind seeing again. Um, 
you know, the Andreas, Malcolm, you know, Tony on a legend season, maybe Lucina. I'll take Michaela. She takes everything so personally. It just, yeah. for, it, just it just makes for great TV. Yeah. She she's a very outspoken person, great for reality television. And anytime someone takes things way too personally, it's only gonna be good for the viewers. Um, and I think she's a good player too. And yeah. she kinda, and getting her to balance the immediate emotional reaction with the more measured strategic reaction is re- is really fun to watch. Yeah, I think somewhere between the two times she's played is the perfect game. Because <laughs> uh, she was very, very loud and outspoken her first time. And then her second time, I think Suri kind of got to her and she's like, hey, how about you like don't say something every time you get mad? <laughs> and then we like never heard from her again after that. Well, the big thing about that is that Suri said she was a hothead growing up. Yeah. And, which I just cannot picture. No. <laughs> no you i mean little things you you just keep learning more there you go okay well i think if i have the memory right this will clock in at our longest episode yet or at least close to it but nothing wrong Uh-oh. with that nothing wrong with talking survivor uh, but so we'll be back next week to close out the top 15 before we get into the top 10 so we'll have cook islands and the amazon uh, some good, good discussion there, as always. Any last thoughts before we sign off? No, I, I just get more and more excited as we work our way up. Love Heavy seasons coming love, up. Love to hear that. Yeah. As always, if you haven't subscribed, be sure to do so. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you listen, we are there. You can follow us on Twitter at Llama Talk Pod, on Instagram at Talking Llama Pod. For Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambage, and we'll see you next week for another Scoop of the Crispy.